the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. First of all, let me say, uh, I guess last evening, I can't remember when it was, I went on the Andrea K Show. Andrea K Show on The Answer, San Diego, and online you can follow her. She's, it's just awesome. She... You know, she's one of those hosts that you hear her talk and you're like, okay, she's really smart. She's on top of things. One of the things I love about her is when I get on her show, I let it rip. I probably am even more animated with her than I am with you guys when I'm talking directly to you. It's somehow, somehow that her dynamic, it just brings it out of me. So it was great. Great to be on with her. She's spectacular. Uh, our great Noah Dingley, the producer of this program, also produces her show. It's just super. So I uh, hope you listen to Andrea Kay and the Andrea Kay Show. If you're listening to this as a podcast or online, go to us, uh, do a search for Andrea Kay. The Andrea K Show. It's K A Y E, and you'll find her stuff. She's really good, so she's great, and uh, I encourage you on all fronts there. So uh, let us talk now today about something very important. Okay, we're going to talk in a minute with John Schlafly. We'll catch up with John. Uh, he's got a new column that'll be important. We'll also talk uh, in a few moments with uh, uh, Todd Benzman, our friend Todd Benzman. Um, but those two and the stories they have to talk about are hugely important. But I want to tell you about my experience. Um, with the families of the January 6th defendants. So this week, uh, starting maybe Tuesday, um, the January 6th defendants, some of them, some of the defendants who are still in the D.C. jail, some that are in other jails, um, some that have been uh, sentenced already, about 20 different people, I think five families, maybe six families, have come into town. And as I say that to you, you have to do the math in your head. They're not coming with dad or the husband, right? So when I say there's a family of four, in this case, it's not mom and dad. It's mom and three kids, right? You get the point. It's, it's so 20 people is actually more like 25 uh, or six people in terms of family size, but dad's missing. Anyway, you know, years ago when I went to work for a while, short while for the church, I was taken to prison ministry by uh, a, actually by an old uh, fashioned uh, St. Vincent de Paul. It was called the St. Vincent de Paul Society. I wish I could remember her name right now. It might have been Sister Carlene Reck, R-E-K-C-K, but it may have been one of her colleagues. And they took me to a jail, to the prison to visit. And, you know, the Bible says to go visit those imprisoned, right? It says that. It actually says specifically. And, you know, we have to remember the Lord didn't just say things to do because he thought they were cool. He knew they would have an impact on the person imprisoned, but also on the person visiting. That where two or more are gathered, you know, that kind of thing, no matter where you're gathered. But there's something special about it. And I remember that. And that was 25 years ago. Well, in this experience I've had, I, I didn't practice criminal law uh, much. I mean, I had a few things, but it was never in prison. It was people that had, you know, minor uh, uh, criminal matters. Uh, but now with the January 6th, I've been exposed uh, more, more closely to these cases and been to the prison in D.C. and talked to the uh, folks that are the, the January 6th defendants and watched these trials, the insanity of the trials, the extension of uh, misconduct by people 
who broke a window, even pushed a cop. Bad conduct should be charged. The extension of that to seditious conspiracy and to insurrection, it's insane what's happening. But all that pales, I will tell you, by the experience, and I should say that the, the, the uh, families were coming in sponsored by the Patriot Freedom Project, the organization. I'm, I'm affiliated with it now. I'm helping with it, raise money in lots of ways. It raises money to help with the lawyers' costs because a lot of these men need help, but it also helps the families with uh, counseling, with uh, support, with uh, incidentals. Sometimes you have people, dad's gone and the job, his job is gone and mom's now working two jobs and there's problems of daycare, there's problems of, uh, uh, child care, there's problems of health care. Anyway. A couple of days ago when I went over uh, for the first time to meet some of these families, what I remember uh, so vividly about visiting uh, jail the first time and more recently was you get a sense that the people impacted by all this are somehow not real. And then you meet them and they're just like us. And uh, for example, the kids, I met some young uh, men, you know, 16 year old, uh, 15, uh, 13 year old, 10 year old boys, just about the ages of my sons and uh, daughters and little baby, little girl comes over to show me her doll, the humanity of this. And one of the boys said, I said to him, I know your dad and your dad's a great reader. He's a great reader. He's really smart. And I'm not sure. I can't remember if uh, who I'm talking about this defendant. I'm not sure he went to college, but he's a great reader. He's really smart. And his son said, yeah, dad's a good reader with great confidence. His dad's been away from home for two years in jail. It's devastating. It's devastating. It's inhumane. It's inhumane. And when you meet the humans impacted by it, it could drive you out of your mind. It almost does to me. It just drives me out of my mind to see what's happening. And first of all, we should remember that when we grow the prison population for whatever reason, whatever, and even for guilty people that do something wrong, there's families left behind and that we've got to figure out how to do more with that. And so that's real, right? I want to say that I want to do that right now. And the people that serve those, a lot of churches have been really good about serving families. There's a lot of people in jail. And, and, and it, maybe conservatives need to have a, a better understanding. Maybe liberals need to have a better understanding. But he, and then I'll say, finish that. It's outrageous that our government is driving a political message and a wedge in this country and damaging people's lives like this. Because what's happening to the January 6th defendants and the select committee by Liz Cheney and others, it's just driving a wedge politically for the purposes of political gain. And the damage is to real people. That's what these meetings have meant. It's what you need to know is when government is used to damage the people, we're in a dangerous spot. When government power and government bureaucrats and government prosecutors are used for political gain that is damaging people, which is what's happening in the January 6th cases. And not every case. Some people are in big trouble for pushing a cop or hitting a cop or something bad. I get it. But a lot of people are just being used to fulfill a narrative that the left wants to damage their opponents. It's terrible. And I'll tell you more about that because there's a big event uh, uh, coming up with some of those families. I'll fill you in on that. Uh, a fundraiser as well as just a way to uh, get, raise hope and encourage them. So uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back with John Schlafly. That's what you need to know. Um, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes a weekly column like his late mother did for decades. She wrote it. He's been at it for years now. And uh, the Schlafly Report, written with his uh, brother Andy, runs over at townhall.com and is archived at phyllisschlafly.com also. Uh, John, welcome um, back. I don't. I, I think we talked after the election, uh, the midterm election. I'm, I'm confident we did, although I might be missing that. I know you and I did uh, on the air. But um, I don't know if we've talked since Donald Trump announced his uh, run for president. But what what's your state? What's your description? What's your thoughts on the state of of American uh, politics and, and what's happening? Uh, <laughs> kind well, of a broad question. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, well, we have to assess what happened in the recent elections and how things can be, I guess, you know, I do think the issue of election machinery is something that still needs serious attention if Donald Trump or any Republican can expect to win in the mm-hmm. future. So there's that. You know, Trump's uh, announcement was anticipated, uh, was expected, and well, I think he's the inevitable front runner and the inevitable choice. But um, uh, so we've got uh, serious issues that we've got to deal with right away, you know, before we really get into the presidential campaign. Well, well John, and you know, Trump, our co- Trump is good. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Well, so we've seen how the Biden administration and the entire progressive left is determined to keep Trump from running, uh, or if he does run, to keep him from winning, and to use any means necessary to make that happen, including the abuse of the judicial system. So that's a headwind against Trump that you know no person has ever faced before, and you know the, the, these very the same, very same people who talk about democracy. This is a the real question is whether we have a democracy in America. But, you know, in addition to that, there's a question of free expression of people and whether people will be able to say what they think in public and on social media. Well, and, and John, let me pause. That goes, let me, yeah, let me pause. Of- yeah, let me pause there because I want to get to your column. But I want to ask you about the Trump campaign. He announced for office and obviously the response of the media and tech was to not cover it. I mean, it was the opposite of what happened in 2015, where it was I think they probably thought it was, a you know, a a carnival uh, barker and let's go cover this. He got every single coverage of every single moment. It's quite it's it's really true. It's a true statement that he almost can't get on TV right now. And your column, which uh, Andy and you wrote that uh, published a day or so ago, Chinese style censorship threatens Twitter. I mean, I guess it's a preference of a private company, right? If you're if you're um, Fox News or you're CNN or you're WABC in New York. Uh, but it, it sure feels like a coordinated effort to keep Trump off uh, off of any platform that lets people see him. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's a that's an excellent point. And uh, Ed and uh, he's not getting anywhere near the coverage that he got um, in his first run or his second run. And so um, 
Well, uh, and, and even more tr- even more troubling, what he does get is all the media and all big tech covering narrow things that are um, negative to him, which, for example, who he had dinner with at Mar-a-Lago when there was, you know, 800 people or whatever number of people coming in and out and all that. I, I, I said, when you live in a, in a not a country club, he doesn't live at a country club. He lives at a dining club and he has lots of people come and go. There's probably mobsters that come and go. There's probably uh, uh, convicted killers that come and go. Who knows? And so, you know, but that's what they spent their time, the media, saying Trump dined with an anti-Semite. And it doesn't matter what the truth is, that, that's what the media is going to do. I am being serious, John. Can Donald Trump survive as a candidate this kind of um, negative coverage? Well, he's, all of his coverage was negative, always has been. Yeah. But, right. but the real question is, can he survive without coverage at all. Huh. I mean, and he's got to break through and get uh, access to, uh, you know, first the, the the MAGA base and then to the American people as a whole. Hmm. And uh, Truth Social is not hackiness as far as that goes. Um, so there's no question that the infrastructure of communication and reaching the people, that's got to be a part of a presidential campaign. I hope somebody is giving a lot of high-level attention to that. Um, well, John Schlafly is our guest. Let's talk about the column, John. Your column this week is says the title is Chinese-style censorship threatens Twitter. Um, you're, of course, referring to um, the fact that uh, uh, Apple is threatening to pull Twitter off of its uh, app store, which would be a, a way to block it from getting on iPhones, which is, you know, every other phone is iPhone or more. And you're comparing it to China, where uh, Apple has, I don't know w- w- how to say it, they seem to be complicit with the regime there, right? I mean, that's the is there been an explanation from Apple? They they took off uh, a, a aspect of phone uh, um, usage in China that allowed people to share content. They shut it down. Um, has there been an explanation from Apple? No, there's been no explanation for either one of those decisions, either the taking down of the um, that feature, which I didn't know about, but I, I just learned about it, where Apple deprived, you know, maybe very active iPhone users know about that feature, um, which apparently is available to communicate without uh, cell towers or uh, Wi-Fi, but there's a right. third way that right. phones can communicate. Right. And uh, so, uh, but they he t- turned it off in China. I mean, that's shocking, appalling. Nor have nor did Apple explain why they have. Uh, what's their policy about Twitter? Uh, Elon Musk has publicly asked them on Twitter what their policy is, and they've had no answer. So our column, as you say, Ed, you know, I think we are really about as timely as we could be. I mean, it's the it's the biggest story in the world now, right now, connecting the dots from China to Apple to Twitter. I mean, um, the possible, the unrest, let's put it that way, and we don't know really how far that will go, but the unrest in China poses a serious threat to Apple uh, and its iPhone, bigger than it's ever faced, because apparently the uh, city where iPhones are made is the ground zero for the COVID lockdowns. And the people there are rebelling against that. They are holding up blank sheets of paper, which is a very clever way to uh, protest the censorship on social media over there. 
But we have censorship on social media here, too. And Apple is, Apple is conspiring with the censors to prevent Elon Musk from restoring free speech to Twitter. I mean, that's where we stand. And that needs to be to addressed at the highest levels of our politics and government. We just have got to ensure that at least in our country, we have free speech and presidential candidates can address the American people. John, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking at a, a um, I'm looking at uh, a coverage. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly about his column. He and Andy Schlafly uh, that's over at uh, Townhall.com as well as uh, PhyllisSchlafly.com. Chinese style censorship threatens tr- Twitter. I, I'm looking at um, um, an Elon Musk tweet where he says um, the obvious reality, as a longtime users have noted, is that Twitter has failed in trust and safety and has interfered with in elections. Um, are we are we seeing in real time the exposure of of one of the major social media platforms as you know bias and censored you know censoring uh, uh, Musk is showing that to us and and can you draw a uh, is that so confirming for uh, conservatives or, or Trump supporters you say oh yeah I knew it it's it's as bad as I thought I knew it doesn't it make you stretch your mind and say they told us there was no election problems either. There was no nothing going on. It's so obvious. And Musk is showing it. Is this a is this a way forward, John? Is there is there a way forward where Apple yields to we the people as opposed to we the people being steered by Apple? Well, yes. And of course, we did know about uh, the silencing information about the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, that's really is confirmed. But what Elon Musk promised and I'm waiting with bated breath to see it, is the inside details of exactly who made that decision and what, you know, how they were communicating with, um, you know, people in the deep state or perhaps the Biden campaign uh, to make that happen. I mean, we need to get to flush that out and must promise to flush that out and put that on the public record. I'm looking forward to that. Well, and, and John, you of course, know, that was and that was just one incident. There are many, many other incidents, incidents in which Twitter, uh, as long as well, along with other social media, but Twitter is in the focus of attention right now, shut down free and open debate on the false pretense that they were simply protecting users against disinformation, which is, of course, nonsense. Well, and no you know, definition and, of disinformation. And, you know, John, the, the Jen Psaki, the former press uh, secretary or communications director, whatever the term was, she was the one at the podium all the time and was really a, a, a more than that. She was the sort of dominant um, figure in that communications office of the White House under the first, uh, I don't know, year and a half, two years of Biden. They're fighting. I mean, tooth and nail to not let her be deposed in some uh, in, in some of these matters. And you say to yourself at a certain point. Point, um, what is it she's afraid to talk about? And, you know, now that you see Twitter, you say, are we going to find out that here's an email from Ron Klain to uh, somebody at Twitter saying, hey, guys, you know, shut this down. This is misinformation. And again, um, some some part of the country may be now conditioned to think, oh, 
That's just uh, people working hard to make sure things are okay. But it's not. And it's really, really troubling if it's true. Uh, but again, I, I, I don't we don't know that yet. Right. We can feel it. We can say that. Yeah, we see uh, uh, a Twitter where uh, Musk is saying they interfered with the election. But we sort of, as you say, we sort of knew that it's it's who did it and how and what was going on. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because if any official of the United States government was involved, and that's what the lawsuit is designed to flush out, was involved with pressuring or suggesting or telling uh, these so-called these the, the social media companies that claim to be private companies, then you have state action involved. And with state action, there can be litigation uh, because that is government suppression of free speech. And let's be clear that, you know, all these terms that we hear, like misinformation, disinformation, hate speech, th- these are terms, you know, these, all of these activities or kinds of speech are protected by the First Amendment. And, and there's no basis for any government official to suppress or discourage or penalize or silence anyone speaking on the, these bogus grounds. And that's we've got to find out. But that's but that's but that's but that's the John, that's the key part in this is if the government was influencing it and Apple was doing it, then you, you clearly have sort of the connection, the nexus. But but what about yes. um, what else do you do when when I think it was um, part of your column? If it wasn't, it was uh, referenced by someone who read your column. I mean, Apple is bigger than um, Apple is bigger. You know, Google's bigger than Twitter and, and Apple's bigger than Google. I mean, you, you know, and and so how do you how do you think you can move? Uh, and make Apple not maybe they're doing it on their own. Let's let's pretend they are because they're left leaning and and as uh, the column says, you know, one of the more liberal uh, uh, and largest companies in the world, Apple. Um, how do you expect to change that? I mean, what is it that we do? Is it government regulation? That seems like a dangerous thing. Uh, well, I don't have the complete answer, but uh, uh, the campaign against to suppress information about the Hunter Biden laptop just on the eve of the election is, you know, I think we've, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And we we certainly have the smoke. And we think that is an avenue for uh, opening up what happened because, say, they do it themselves and they hire, um, uh, you know, or thousands of people to police what's posted on their site. And, of course, Elon Musk has fired most of them at Twitter. Uh, so, um, but anyway, this is a problem that's been building for years, and it's going to take a little while to get to the bottom of it. And But it's got to be fixed before we have another presidential election, that's for sure. All right, John Schlafly, everybody, his column again, Chinese-style censorship threatens Twitter, available at townhall.com, our sister site, but also at phyllisschlafly.com with all of his archived uh, archived columns. Uh, Thank you, John, as usual, um, a helpful column and discussion. We will talk again uh, very soon, and we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Pro America Report. Good to be with you. Our old friend. He's like a regular. He should be like a co-host at this point. Todd Benzman. We check in almost <laughs> every week with him. Uh, we've we've tracked his books. He's got a second book uh, coming out, Overrun, about the Biden administration's failure. I was up early, Todd. I was reading an article on uh, Title 42. There's a couple weeks left till its full expiration, the disaster. And I thought I got to ask Todd about that. And then I got uh, up, up even a little bit later in the day and I saw a message from you on a new post over at the Center for Immigration Studies, where Todd Benzman is the uh, senior national security fellow and uh, CIS.org. Great website. Mexico's first Muslim immigrant shelter, a U.S. national security perspective. So in this, you traveled down to Tijuana and um, tell me about what you saw. Tell me about what this means. What's what's going on here? Well, about six months ago, there were some scattered uh, laudatory media reports about the opening of of an immigrant shelter on the Mexican side that catered to Muslim immigrants as though there were, you know, there was enough demand for their for their own shelter, that many people coming through. And it struck me that. The American Homeland Security Enterprise views immigrants coming from countries of interest like that as a a unique national security category that triggers all sorts of national security counterterrorism activity on our side and on the Mexican side. And I thought, well, surely somebody's going to come back and raise this question, right? Right. Uh, You know, could they be terrorists coming across? And, of course, there wasn't. Nobody ever came back and looked at that. So I thought, well, I'll head over there myself. And so that's what I did this month. A little bit earlier this month was over there. Spent a few days on the ground uh, interviewing the immigrants, figuring out what they're doing, how much traffic is going through there. Uh, I did interview the shelter director, uh, the manager, and a whole bunch of uh, Homeland Security people to just kind of get a sense of what was going on. And the bottom line is that it does not appear that the either the American or the Mexican intelligence communities are doing what they're supposed to be doing with special interest aliens. That's what these people are when they come from any one of these 40 different countries. They're supposed to be interrogating them and interviewing them, both the Americans in Mexico and the Mexicans in Mexico. Uh, And instead, they're just most of them just come through. They stay at the shelter and they head over the border illegally, most of them. And um, so I just wanted to, and, what, yeah. So go what, ahead. So 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 so. Um, I, I mean, it's a little bit like. I mean, this is a bit, bit a bit like, but it's a little bit like um, when you see enough traffic at an at a crossroads, um, somebody puts in a gas station. Right. I mean, y- y- nobody's spending the money to put a uh, uh, an immigrant, a Muslim immigrant shelter when there's not Muslim immigrants passing through. I mean, so one one detail is what is the size of that reality? Again, we don't have a law that says you can't come to America if you're not a Christian or not Judeo Christian. But we do have, as you say, a national security question. So when it, it, they had to, you know, if you get enough traffic at a crossroads, you're going to put a gas station, a McDonald's at an immigrant crossroad or a migrant crossroad at this cross 
crossing, you've got a, a Muslim shelter. It, what are the numbers? Well, at this particular shelter, they they have anywhere from 30 to 140 a day uh, staying at any one time. Their capacity seems to be about 150. Uh, it's an 8,000 square foot shelter, just two blocks from the border. You can see the border wall at the end of the street. The street ends at the border wall. It's all right there. And the facility is... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it caters to Muslim cultural and religious needs, you know, halal food and the, the requirements for modesty and separate male, female quarters. There's a mosque inside. I went, I did go inside. Uh, and what, what the story here really is, is that we are in the midst of a mass migration crisis, as I often say on your show and i think the numbers are obvious that there is historic crisis going on the numbers of people coming through are astronomical and so therefore the percentage of people that are coming from muslim countries also is astronomical it's high and we know that the highest number of immigrants crossing the border who are on the fbi's terrorism watch list is at an all-time historic high too. Ninety-eight, just in that we know of, that got caught. Just in fiscal 2022, we had another nine cross from October, just in October, who were already on the watch list. These are incredibly high numbers for that type of a of, for that characteristic. And so, uh, you know, the the, the national security question is seems obvious about a, a facility like this uh, uh we're, so, talk, we're, we're yeah. talking about we're talking yeah. with todd benzman and todd let me let me stop for one second i want i want to highlight this um your first book america's covert border war um went into more of these specifics i mean you just mentioned that there's there's people coming across uh the um the border the subtitle of your book was the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration um just because we're 20 whatever years 21 two years 21 years away from 9 11 doesn't mean that the jihadist problem went away. As you just said, there's people on the watch list coming through. Um, again, I, I, want, I don't want to sound like a psychobabbler, but when you start putting up uh, centers like this, one aspect of it seems to me is you're sort of normalizing the behavior, right? If you put up a tent, you say, well, that's going to be temporary. Somebody's in the tent for a while. When you put up a structure, a, a shelter, you're basically saying, this is how we want things to be going forward. And the, the double part of that is one, that's a policy preference the United States and Mexico are deciding to allow. And number two, the the message, right? The message going back home, as you always taught me, you've taught me and our, my listeners on social media. Hey, guys, you can come here because it, it's not that hard. I mean, we used to have to sleep on the ground in a, in a, in a, napsa, in a, in a, a backpack. Now we've got a shelter, right? I mean, that's another part of this that feels uh, obvious. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I I, I was able to interview through a uh, a translator app on my phone mm -hmm. a number of Chechens uh, for a couple of days who were who were coming through from Russia. They're Muslim, it's a militant, um, restive Muslim republic in in Russia, 
and and those people, they're young men, uh, beards and the whole thing, and they're coming through. They said they're mostly uh, draft war war dodgers. Uh, so I mean that's what they're claiming, but you know they they did they described having not been questioned by anybody at the Mexican airports. They just flew in. Right. They flew uh, from Brazil. They got to Brazil. Then they flew to Mexico City. Nobody said anything. Nobody questioned them. They flashed their Russian passports, flew to the Tijuana airport. And I said, well, why did you come to this? And how did you know about it? And the answer was social media. Everybody knows about this place. Uh, we knew that if we could get to Tijuana, we would have a safe place to hang out until we could figure out what to do. Uh, now, most of these people that are coming through, uh, the last time you and I talked, it was about this other story I did from the region about how the Mexicans and the Americans have this new way where they are handing off immigrants at the ports of entry legalizing them first on the Mexican side and then just handing them off and letting them into the country. A lot of these Muslim migrants at this shelter are doing that. They're getting in that line and they're being handed off to the Americans. Lots of Afghans, uh, they told me, many, many Afghans, uh, but from all over the Muslim world also coming through. But they also have a significant number that decide not to do that because you have to prove your citizenship. You have to undergo a background check. You probably, there's going to be national security checks and there's also a wait time. So those just go off on their own and cross illegally. I see. Uh, and there's see. not a whole lot that anybody can do about the, about them. You have these two channels of people from that shelter crossing through. I see. We're talking with Todd Benzman. By the way, his website is toddbenzman.com. It's B-E-N-S-M-A-N.com, his own website, where you can see uh, coming out February 21st, 2023, a few months from now, you can pre-order the book Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. My only question on that book, Overrun, I've been hearing about it for a few months from you, Todd, is uh, do, do you get to update that before uh, it goes to print? Because in the next two or three weeks, you're going to have another chapter on what's going on i mean it's not it's, you could add this this own your visit to this mosque i mean is there no. you, is there an end to when you can update your book no i mean listen the the important thing is for people to understand the originating causes of this mass migration crisis and what it caused what the policies were that caused it what it looks like on the ground so that you can we can undo it at some point but we're definitely in the middle of the story uh and at some point you just have to free freeze frame when you're trying to uh document history which i believe this is american history you just have to freeze frame it at some point and cut it off the story is definitely going to keep going after the book is published but the most important part of the book is who caused this why did they cause it and how do we get out of it yeah uh, you know what are the principles so uh, and and by the way i i am updating i'm in the middle of doing some updates in the book right now bringing all the numbers up to up to speed and um 
uh, this this shelter is mentioned. All right. Well, uh, Todd Benzman, as always, uh, thank you for taking the time away. Busy time. Uh, Todd Benzman at uh, the uh, his website is uh, toddbenzman.com. And uh, also, of course, CIS.org is the Center for Immigration Studies. Thank you, Todd, as always. Thank you. And the the piece uh, can be found at CIS.org, and we'll have a video on it shortly, too. Okay, great. Good. I'm glad to hear that. All right, great. I will put that link up there. I see it uh, on your site. So uh, thank you. All right, everybody, I'll put that. I will post that up on social media as well as a link to it, and uh, and you should check it out. His, he's a good follow on Twitter, and uh, CIS.org is a great site, his, his writings as well as some of his colleagues. Um, okay, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We will be back back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Haul out the holly and bring out the boxing gloves. It's time for the annual war on Christmas. I may be saying this with an air of joviality, but this is a serious issue that conservatives should pay attention to. The left is as committed as ever to not only remove Christmas from the public square, but to expunge it from our American identity. We all know where this started. The left employed an army of lawyer scrooges to sue every school, city, and state that dared to place a nativity scene amidst their Christmas decorations. Activist judges overruled the will of the people by kowtowing to these legal hacks. Thus, in the name of not getting sued, our politicians surrendered the true meaning of Christmas. Then came the fight over the phrase, Merry Christmas itself, when store employees were told not to say the dreaded greeting for fear of offending someone who doesn't celebrate Christmas. Yet 93% of Americans celebrate the holiday. If you can believe it, the number of Americans who don't celebrate Christmas is dwarfed by the number of Americans who believe in aliens, don't have access to the Internet, believe the moon landing was faked, or claim to have seen a ghost. Yet in the name of not offending anyone, major American businesses gave up Christmas. Even the White House has become a battleground in the war on Christmas. President Trump followed through on his promise to bring back Merry Christmas by including the phrase in every White House Christmas card, reversing the trend set by President Obama. Yet if you look at the holiday card sent by President Biden in 2021, the word Christmas is nowhere to be found. Outside of a single generic wreath, there isn't even any imagery that might hint at Christmas. Not a Christmas tree, nor a string of lights, nor a strand of garland is in sight. The left wants to expunge Christmas from our national identity because Christmas is a celebration of the family, and specifically the family that changed the world two millennia ago with the birth of our Savior. Don't let the left take that away. Christ's message of peace and goodwill toward men is as needful as it's ever been. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Wrapping things up. Hey, did you see the news? Um, Elon Musk, 
if he succeeds and why wouldn't he, he does succeed at almost everything he does, I think. And he's just fearless. Um, but if he succeeds with this Twitter thing and, and he's doing so many different things, it's amazing. But understand it's not just that he got Apple to sort of back down and he's got um, uh, people paying attention to the fact that Twitter before he took over was um, influencing elections and otherwise now he's got a target from the EU. The EU has said he's moved up. They announced they they have a tech guru. He's moved up on our list of people to look at because we got to look at this guy and see what's going on. Now, don't you wonder why? I mean, what they were happy with Twitter before? Was the, was the EU happy with Twitter before? And if they were, why? All that Musk has done is say, we're going to have a system that's more transparent and we're going to have accountability, but we're going to allow the accountability to be understood, not just, uh, uneven or irrational or unexplained. It, it, you know, if they were taking people off Twitter, for reasons that people didn't quite understand and it was sort of looked, it looked and felt like preferences of individuals or groups. Now he's just saying, Hey, we're going to have an amnesty. Everyone's going to come back on and then we're going to take them off for violations of the service agreement and we're going to be transparent about it. But the EU says, Oh, you're under, now you're, and he's going to have to face that. This guy's taken on the whole world. And by the way, he's not even a conservative. He says he identifies voted, he has voted as a, a, a Democrat a lot. So it's going to be amazing. It is amazing to watch. All right, we got to run. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Ryan Height, associate producing from St. Louis. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>